Merry Christmas. This is your host, Father Taylor Reynolds, and I'm happy to be with you as we celebrate this most beautiful and sacred time of year, Christmas. The time we remember Jesus' birth, the time we pray for peace in the world, the time we put aside all our differences, all our hardships. We join together as family, as friends, as children of God, when the Son of God was born for us. Well, here in Louisiana, we certainly are feeling Christmas with the temperature outside. It's been in the low teens, which really makes us feel like we're getting ready for Christmas. It may not be a white Christmas, except if you count, I guess, some of the ice, but we certainly do feel that chill in the air, that reminder this season is different, that the days have become shorter. We're looking for the warmth, and what warms our hearts is the reminder of God's love for us that child that was born for us, a child that comes to us innocently seeking us. And so today, I really just kind of wanted to enhance our experience of Christmas, just entering into this time and allowing us to look at some of the things that we commonly put up for Christmas, we commonly move back and forth, and remind ourselves what this truly is all about. You know, as Christians, symbols are so very powerful and so important. But they don't just make a symbol and then they're done, but they they try to affect what, what they're symbolizing. They try to bring it into the present. And so Christmas is one of those realities. Christmas is always December 25th. You know, there's a lot of discussion of was Christ actually born on December 25th? It's, it can be hard to, to say. There can be some who record it, some who say it's not. But for sure what we all know is that December 25th is around the winter solstice. It's around that time, the shortest day of the year when the sun's rays are the most angled away from us. And that's what makes it so cold, makes it such a time in which the day seems to be growing short. But we also remember the day right after the winter solstice, what happens? We, we start moving back around the sun. We start moving back to that angling towards the sun. Our days slowly begin to grow. The light begins to grow. And traditionally, what they say is that the solstice was believed to have been on December 24th, which would mean that on December 25th, that was the day when the light begins to grow. So just kind of a beautiful thought, especially now as we experience that real effects, that chilling of the earth, the chilling of the world. And so part of our celebration can be to relook at that, to look at Christmas and, and this time of year that we're celebrating. And so there's a couple of other things, you know, that always come up whenever we think about Christmas. We think about cribs, we think about stars, nativity scenes, we think about shepherds, we, we think about all these very beautiful things. Um, you know, the candy cane. There's been a lot of stories about what the candy cane means, that it's it's the shepherd's crook. You know, the, the first witnesses of Jesus' birth were shepherds, and Jesus himself, who was the good shepherd. And yeah, there's also the, the stripes on it, the white and the red stripes that represent the Lord's, you know, his purity, his blood that he was shared for us. And it's kind of this reminder, you know, that even with his birth, there was still that looking forward to even the fact that he would die for us. So we're, we're kind of reflecting on that reality as well. Jesus was born for a certain reason. Another interesting one is is the, the holly. You know, we put out the holly 
it's that very bright green, you know, with the little berries. Sometimes it's kind of prickly. An interesting fact, if you ever find holly kind of native out in the woods, which it, you know, occurs a lot, its leaves are actually going to be more like a normal leaf. It'll be kind of more of a, you know, the, the oval-shaped leaf, and maybe one little point on the end. What makes it have those kind of like, you know, jagged edges with more thorns is actually a really cool genetic thing that whenever the holly is being eaten or being cut or, you know, whatever, it actually sort of changes its genes so that it begins to create those pricklers so it's not, you know, it's not eaten or attacked by another sort of um, creature or whatever. So it's kind of an interesting thought, you know, that, that this kind of survival mode it has within it. Um, but anyways, you know, the, the holly, it's, it's one of those things, you know, you make it, make everything holly and bright for Christmas time and everything. It, it's first of all, also an image of the burning bush. You know, when, when the, the image of holly is brought up, it's actually in, evoking the burning bush, which again was the presence of God, a God who spoke from the bush, who again said, I am, I am present, which is again something beautiful to think about and reflect about on Christmas, you know, the reminder of that reality. Those pricklers, you know, those those thorns also remind us again of something that we know would come in Christ's life. The the thorns in his head, you know, that he would wear a crown of thorns for us. Some have even said that the holly might have actually been one of the you know, the the plants that was used for the crown of thorns. That's why they say the the berries are so red. You know, it, it's a reminder of Christ's blood that was shed for us. So, you know, there, there's kind of this really interesting sort of image with that. Another one that we really can't pass up is is the poinsettia. You know, the poinsettia, the beautiful red and green, the little um, the little gold flowers that plant. It's just such a symbol that so many of our churches have. And um, first of all, you know, the, the, the big red, those are the leaves. It's not actually the flower. The, the flower is just those little tiny almost like um, berries in the center that are gold. The leaves are, are, are the red, and that, you know, it's kind of one of those effects of it. And it, um, it's actually a Mexican, a Mexican flower it, or plant. It comes from Mexico, and it was actually a man named Dr. Joel, Joel Poinsett, who was the U.S. ambassador to Mexico in the early 1800s. And in 1829, when he returned to his home, he found, he found this plant that he called the Flower of the Holy Night, and he brought it back to the U.S., now, the origin of it is really interesting. A long time ago, on Christmas Eve, a poor child made his way to church in great sadness because he had no gifts to offer the Christ child. Not daring to enter the church, he knelt humbly on the ground outside and prayed, tearfully telling the Lord of his great desire to offer a gift. Unwilling to approach with empty hands, he finally rose only to behold, springing up at his feet, a plant with dazzling red spectacular blooms. This was the answer to his prayers. These blooms he took to the feet of the Christ child. And so it's kind of this beautiful plant that, you know, is called in Mexico the, the flower of the holy night. And that it said that um, this, this, this plant blooms, you know, every year at Christmas. 
even though you know it can it can grow outside here but it's this beautiful sort of kind of thought of Christ you know giving us a gift that we can give to him another beautiful image is is the Christmas tree you know that that is the kind of the the old time image of Christmas is, is the Christmas tree and really there's a couple of different origins um, you know to the to the Christmas tree but one of them dates to uh, Saint Boniface Saint Boniface was a missionary to Germany and he um, goes to Germany he's proclaiming the Christian the Christian faith and there's a lot of paganism there um, in Germany they actually you know were very invested in the woods you know Germany was was a, a land filled with the dark forest and so they looked to these great big oak trees as deities as gods and it was said that you know the tradition of knock on wood actually comes from the Germans that they would you know go to these big oak trees and they would knock on the wood of the tree to try and ask some favor to awaken the god to, to listen to them so there's kind of this thought and um it, it said that there was on a Christmas Eve that Boniface um, he came upon the eldest son of one of these German men and he was th- this man was pre- actually preparing to sacrifice his eldest son and the place they were going to do it was under one of these giant oak trees that was again sacred to to the to the Germans you know sacred to their their patron Thor you know the god of thunder and Boniface wanted to prove and that their gods were powerless and wanted to prove that there was no way that you know they should sacrifice this child and so he he took an axe and actually it says he struck down that oak tree with one swing he picked up the the axe swung it one time and cut down the oak tree in one brief swing and it was a very large oak tree so it was a great astonishment and then as they say is that whenever they're all looking at him, well, what, what are you going to say now? You just chopped down this sacred tree to us. Boniface proclaimed, this is the word and this is the counsel. Not a drop of blood shall fall tonight, for this is the birth night of Christ, son of the All-Father and Savior of the world. He then pointed to a nearby evergreen tree and continued, this little tree, a young child of the forest, shall be a home tree tonight. It is the wood of peace, for your houses are built of fir. It is the sign of endless life, for its branches are evergreen. See how it points toward heaven. Let this be called the tree of the Christ child. Gather about it, not in the wild woods, but in your homes. There will shelter no deeds of blood, but loving gifts and lights of kindness. Originally, the Christmas tree, actually, people put actual candles on it and they were cut you know right on Christmas Eve so the trees were green they weren't afraid of you know burning because the tree is so green um, it's really kind of an interesting sort of image there's also another legend that even goes to Martin Luther Martin Luther Protestant but that, that kind of traces with the Christmas tree it says that Martin Luther one time um, on a Christmas Eve walk he was inspired with the beauty of the starlit night, and to reproduce this wonders and to commemorate Christ's birth under the star, under the starry Bethlehem night, Martin brought in a fir tree to his house and decorated with candles and arranged beneath it the nativity scene. 
and it's kind of combining two different stories. It's combining some of St. Boniface with the tree, the decorating of it, and the nativity scene. And this then goes into sort of the other great image, the nativity scene. You know, th this is sort of, again, as Christians, our great sort of image. Christ and the, the nativity, Christ with Mary, the shepherds, all that. And this is actually a tradition that was brought about by St. Francis. St. Francis, who lived in you know, the 1200s, was the first to make a nativity scene. He had gotten together and actually made a living nativity scene. And it was near Greccio in Italy. And they got together animals and people, and they reproduced the first nativity scene, again, as we hear from the scriptures. And so still today, you know, we create the nativity scene. You know, we, we keep that image that, that is, again, not just to be a symbol, but it's supposed to try to make present that reality to us. So those are just some, some of those common images that hopefully, you know, we can look at and we can kind of be reminded of for Christmas. Um, now, as just a last final little thing, I wanted to read just a few little stories. Maybe you and your family can enjoy this, maybe by the fire if it's cold, maybe you're having dinner, just sit and listen. And this first one that I want to recount, it's called The Christmas Guest. It's a beautiful story I think we all need to be reminded of, especially as Christmas can be a time of bustling, of us trying to get gifts for, for our family. Just something to remember. And here is the Christmas guest. It happened one day, near December's inn, two neighbors called on an old friend. They found his shop so meager and lean, made gay with thousands bows of green. And Conrad was sitting with face ashine, when he suddenly stopped as he, as he stitched a twine. And he said, Old friends, at dawn today, when the cock was crowing the night away, the Lord appeared in a dream to me, and said, I'm coming your guest to be. So I've been busy with feet astir, strewing my shop and with branches of fir. This table is spread and the kettle is shined, and over the rafters the holly is twined. Now I'll wait for my Lord to appear, and listen closely, so I will hear his steps as he nears my humble place, and I'll open the door and look on his face. So his friends went home and left Conrad alone, for this was the happiest day he had known. For long since his family had passed away, and Conrad had sent, had spent many a sad Christmas day. But he knew with the Lord as his Christmas guest, this Christmas would be the dearest and best. So he listened with only joy in his heart, and with every sound he would raise with a start, and look for the Lord to be at his door, like the vision he had a few hours before. So he ran to the window after hearing a sound, but all he could see in the snow-covered ground was a shabby beggar whose, whose shoes were torn, and all his clothes were ragged and worn. But Conrad was touched, and he went to the door, and he said, You know, your feet must be frozen and sore. I have some shoes in my shop for you, and a coat that will keep you warm too. So with grateful heart, the man went away. But Conrad noticed the time of day, and wondered what made the Lord so late, and how much longer he'd have to wait. When he heard a knock, he ran to the door, but it was only a stranger once more, a bent old lady with a shawl of black, with a bundle of kindle piled on her back. 
She asked for only a place to rest, but that was reserved for Conrad's great guest. But her voice seemed to plead, don't send me away, let me rest a while on Christmas Day. So Conrad brewed a steaming cup, told her to sit at the table and sup. But after she left, he was filled with dismay, for he saw the hours were slipping away, and the Lord hadn't come as he said he would, and Conrad felt sure he had misunderstood. When out, out of the stillness he heard a cry, Please help me and tell me where am I? So again he opened his friendly door and stood disappointed as twice before. It was only a child who had wandered away and was lost from her family on Christmas Day. Again Conrad's heart was heavy and sad, but he knew he should make this little girl glad. So he called her in and wiped her tears and quieted all her childish fears. Then he led her back to her home once more, but he entered his own darkened door. He, he knew the Lord was not coming today, for the hours of Christmas had passed away. So he went to his room and knelt down to pray, and he said, Dear Lord, why did you delay? What kept you from coming to call on me? For I wanted so much your face to see. While soft in the silence a voice he heard, Lift up your head, for I kept my word. Three times my shadow crossed your floor, And three times I came to your lonely door. I was the beggar with bruised cold feet, And I was the woman you gave something to eat. I was the child on the homeless street. Three times I knocked, and three times I came in, And each time I found the warmth of a friend. Of all the gifts, love is the best, and I was honored to be your Christmas guest. I just love that little story. It's actually a song. You can look it up. It's by Reba McIntyre, um, Johnny Cash. You can listen to both of them. They, they both have a really good version of it. And now I want to just, kind of as we come to the close, read one of probably the most famous of all. You know, This is Twas the Night Before Christmas. Was the night before Christmas, when all through the house not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care, in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. The children were nestled all snug in their beds, while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads. And Mom in her kerchief, and I in my cap, had just settled, settled our brains for a long winter's nap. When out on the lawn there arose such a clatter, I sprang from my bed to see what was the matter. Away in the window I flew like a flash, tore open the shutters, and threw up the sash. The moon on the breast of the new-fallen snow gave the luster of midday to objects below, when what to my wondering eyes should appear but a miniature sleigh and eight tiny reindeer. With a little old driver so lively and quick, I knew in a moment it must be St. Nick. More rapid than eagles, his coursers, they, they came, and he whistled and shouted and called them by name, Now Dasher, now Dancer, now Prancer and Vixen, On Comet, on Cupid, on Donner, on Blitzen, To the top of the porch, to the top of the wall, Now dash away, dash away, dash away all. As dryly as before the, wind, the wild hurricane fly, When they meet with an obstacle, mountain to the sky. So up to the housetop the coursers they flew, With a sleigh full of toys, and St. Nicholas too. And then in a twinkle I heard on the roof the prancing and pawing of each little hoof. As I drew on my head with, and was turning around, 
down the chimney St. Nicholas came with a bound. He was just all in fur with his, from his head to his foot, and his clothing were all tarnished with ashes and soot. A bundle of toys was flung on his back, and he looked like a peddler just opening his pack. His eyes, how they twinkled, his dimples, how merry. His cheeks were like roses, his no nose like a cherry. His doll's little his doll, his droll little mouth was drawn up like a bow, and the beard of his chin was as white as the snow. The stump of a pipe he held tight in his teeth, and the smoke that encircled his head like a reef. He had a broad face and a little round belly that shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. He was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf, and I laughed when I saw him in spite of myself. A wink of his eye and a twist of his hand soon gave me to know I had nothing to dread. He spoke not a word, but went straight to his work and filled all the stockings, then turned with a jerk, and laying his finger aside on his nose and giving a nod up the chimney he rose. He sprang to his sleigh, to his team gave a wink, to get his team gave a whistle, and away they all flew like the, like the, down, like the dawn of a thistle. But I heard him exclaim, Er, as he as he drove out of sight, have, Merry Christmas to all, and to all a good night. Well, Christmas certainly is upon us, and certainly there are many of us who are waiting for Santa, and we all know that this is. Hold on, it, there's something at my window. Hold on, there's someone here. Who is this? Wait. Ho ho ho! Merry Christmas. Hello, Father Taylor. How are you on this chilly Christmas Eve? Well, Santa, this is quite the surprise. I'm, I'm, I'm honored for you to be here. Please call me Saint Nicholas. Oh well, Saint Nicholas. Thank you. It's good for, to have you here. Um, what what brings you uh, to to this area? What what what? What honor do we have to have you here with us? Well, you see, I heard you were doing a little recording about Christmas, and you were about to talk about jolly old Saint Nick. So I figured I would come and greet everyone myself. Well, Santa, that certainly is a treat. I'm sorry, Saint Nicholas. That certainly is a treat to have you with us. We'd love to hear you say a little bit about yourself, about your story. I think all the kids and even the parents would enjoy that a bit. Well, you see, a long time ago I lived in a very poor land. In that place, there was a poor man who had three daughters. He didn't have enough money to care for his children, so he was going to have to sell them into slavery. One night, I snuck over to his house and dropped down his chimney a bag full of gold. It was enough for him and his daughters to live in peace. I was then made a bishop, and I taught many people about God and how to live like Jesus. A famine came to the area where I served, and the people did not have enough food. A barge was passing by my village, and it was loaded with so much food. I called out to the sailors and asked them to share some of their food with us. They were afraid to share, since the king who was to receive their food would notice some was missing. So I promised them that if they shared, Jesus would make a miracle of multiplication, and they would have the same amount that the king was expecting. And so it happened that after they shared with us and brother load to the king, they had the exact same amount as before. Wow, St. Nicholas, those are some really cool stories. 
I know that all the children are waiting for you and have been trying to be as good as possible. I know some, for some of them it might be kind of hard, but I know they're all waiting for you to come. Oh yes, I love the little children. Well Santa, if some kids are on the naughty list, the good thing is we don't stay on the naughty list forever. We can say we're sorry and we can go to confession. And that's a great way to move us from the naughty list back to the nice list, right? You are right, Father Taylor. Everyone does make mistakes or bad choices. But God loves us and forgives us, and we can always say we are sorry and make up for the bad choices we made. Confession is a great way to know God forgives us. Amen. Well, thank you, Santa, for joining us. I mean, St. Nicholas. I know you have a busy night ahead of you, so I don't want to hold you any longer, but thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to have you here with us. The pleasure was all mine. Yes, I must be on my way, but Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night. Brr. Oh, okay. Got to close that window now. Well, that was such a pleasure. So, this comes to the end of my my recording. I don't think I can get too much better than a little a little greeting from Santa Claus. So, again, Merry Christmas to all. May God bless you and your families. I pray that everyone on this night remembers, especially those who go without, those who maybe will be lonely at Christmas time, those who maybe don't have all the nice things we have. Let's say a prayer for them. Let's pray that they can come to know in a special way that Jesus is the greatest gift, and they may receive what they need from those who have more. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God, our Father, we thank you for this beautiful season of Christmas. We pray, Lord, that we can have in our hearts an open manger to receive Jesus when he comes and to receive him when he comes in the poor. Lord, we ask you to bless those in need that they, too, may come to know of your love and your care for them. pray this may be a special time for them to receive all they need. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So Merry Christmas to all, to all a good night.